the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The world loves Christmas. Quite frankly, it deals with a baby, not a savior. They can handle that. We'll talk about that next on Truth For Today. Join us. As long as Jesus is in a manger and as a baby, he is not offensive. He doesn't demand anything. Babies, you simply watch and enjoy. But you see, it's not just a baby that is there in a manger. And this is why it's so important that we understand what John is communicating here in chapter 1 of the Gospel of John. And that's what we're doing all week this week as we celebrate Christmas here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Who Came to Bethlehem is the title of our series. With some answers, here's Pastor Phil Howard. In the beginning was already existing the Word. I'm going to reflect uh, some of the ideas in the original language, so let me freely read it, if you will. In the beginning, which beginning? Any beginning that ever began. Creation. If anything ever had a beginning, angels, the Word was already existing. And the Word was having fellowship or face-to-face communication with God the Father. And the Word was God himself. He was in the beginning with God the Father. That is this one called the Word. All things were made through him. Once again, he was before anything began, and nothing was ever made that was not made through him. So space and time did not give birth to matter. The Creator did. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life self-existent life, the uncaused cause, uh, always possessing life, and the life was the light of men. In other words, it was divine life on display. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has never been great enough to either overcome it, some say cannot comprehend it, I'm inclined to take the ESV. They cannot overpower it. For today, we begin with verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, not the writer of the book. This is John the baptizer. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, 
yet the world did not know him. He came to his own hometown. This word here uh, is own things. I take it to be Palestine or even the region of Israel, beloved Israel. He could have been born in Idaho. He could have been born in Siberia. Could have been born in the Sahara. But when God chose to be born, he chose to be in little Palestine under the Roman heel, but to a people called Israel. A specific, at that time, they weren't even a national entity because they were controlled. But he came unto his own hometown and his own people, specifically Israel, did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is the word of the Lord. We want to look at uh, three things. Uh, John is using the language of Deuteronomy 17 and 19 that says no one can be substantiated in court without witnesses. And whoever is accused in court, Israeli law demanded at least two witnesses. This carries over to 1 Timothy 5. You can never accuse a church leader unless you have two people who saw it. Never believe anything really for sure about a leader unless two witness it. And under the law, those who make the charge, if the one charged is innocent, then we get to stone the one that made the charge, for they've lied and slandered. So Israel took it very serious, what you said about a person's name or reputation. And out of that language, John is presenting his gospel that God steps out of eternity into a back place called Nazareth of Galilee eventually, which was the red light district of the Roman centurions. It was a very immoral part of Palestine during this time. It was away from Jerusalem, away from the religious hubbub of all the Sadducees and the Pharisees. It starts at Bethlehem. By the time the Magi visit him, he's living in a house. The Magi weren't there at Bethlehem. The Magi visit up within two years, and he was living in a house by that time. So the shepherds see him at Bethlehem. The Magi visit within two years. He's living in a house. He's probably up there by Galilee, commonly and despairingly called Galilee of the Gentiles. So God steps out of eternity and moves into obscurity. And for 30 years, nobody knows God is on the planet. Jesus had a couple of half-brothers. I often think when there were brothers sleeping in that room together, probably three or four brothers, but at least two, there was no glow in the bedroom. There was no aura. And uh, when he went to work for Joseph every day at the carpenter's shop, uh, he didn't put on the lumber made by God. 
It was just made by Joseph. This is Joseph's boy. And even when he did early miracles, they asked, is not this Joseph's son? He's a nobody, just a carpenter. Who is this guy casting out demons? Who is this guy doing? He's a nobody from a nobody place. And so we begin here, John's gospel. He said, let me begin to tell you the witnesses who said that Jesus is what I said he was at the beginning, the creator, God, God in flesh. And he begins with the last of all the prophets of whom Jesus said the greatest prophet that ever lived was John the Baptist. And his greatness was not that he wrote 66 chapters like Isaiah. Not that he wrote 52 chapters like Jeremiah. Not that he wrote 50 chapters like Ezekiel. John the Baptist didn't write any books. But he was privileged to be the best man at the introduction of the king of Israel. He got to see what Abraham longed for and none of the prophets ever got to see. And Jesus turned that and said, The least in the kingdom I'm beginning will be greater than John. Greatness of privilege is what made him great. He had the great privilege of introducing Christ. And so, let us look at some things about John. And you know what's interesting? In the book of John, when he describes John, nothing is said about him like Matthew and Mark and Luke said. He never mentions his preaching, never mentions his baptism, because John is careful to let you know that John the Baptist will in no way eclipse the message he's presenting about Christ. And John himself, John the baptizer, he is sure to make that clear. Look at what it says in verse 20, John the baptizer himself. It says, and this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed... And did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. That's the first thing I want you to fill in. He knew he was not the Christ. It helps when you know who you are. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Can you imagine? You think that's your name? I'm a voice? Or that's who I am? I'm a voice? Why why don't you say uh, you're the greatest prophet? That's for somebody else to say. Imagine this John wearing camel skin, eating locusts and wild honey. You talk about a weird-looking cousin. He was six, years, six months older than Jesus. He was his cousin. And, and man, would you, would you want him to be your best man? What a strange kind of... But, but he knew who he was. I'm a voice. I'm on a mission. I'm only here to introduce you to one greater than I am. What a powerful thing. And then he says in verse 27, I'm not even fit to untie the strings or the strap of his sandal. You know what? I write this. You know how to stay humble? Look up. 
when you look up, you can't look down on anyone. When you look up, I can't look down on you. And Romans 12 says, don't look down on other people. The sign of a humble man is he's not full of himself. He actually knows you're in the room. When you're full of yourself, nobody's in the room but you. Nobody's important but you. And we know you haven't been hanging out with God because the more you hang out with God, you see how small in the scheme of things you really are. John the Baptist never did even have a mega church. He had a little following down by the River Jordan. Didn't even have a synagogue audience. Nobody booked him in a synagogue. Uh-uh, this man is too wild and woolly. But he was God's appointed man to be a voice, a man that knew his place in history, a man that grew up with Jesus as a cousin. And I don't know when he found out, maybe after the 30 years of silence there in Galilee, but all of a sudden he comes on the scene. This, let me tell you about this one. Jesus is now 30 years of age. This is the prophet greater than Moses. This is the one that I was born to announce. This is him. The witness steps up. He goes on to say of Christ in verse 29, this is the Lamb of God. And I must be truthful with you. I'm astounded that he could have it. I do not know that John even knows what all he said. What an astounding statement. Who told John he was the Lamb of God? When do you give the Messiah this kind of sacrificial title? This is an amazing statement to me. This is the Lamb of God that will deal with the sin of the world. Wow, what a statement. I I stagger that he could have made it. He hasn't been to the cross yet. Uh, All that hasn't been revealed yet. Oh, he knows Isaiah 53, but come on. This is his cousin. He's been unknown for 30 years. And all of a sudden you're saying, this is the lamb that takes care of it all. An astounding, an astounding announcement. I'm not sure anyone in his audience knew what he said. That he was so ahead. He goes on in verse 30, and he said that Christ said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. How could you be before him when you were born six months ahead of him? Because he's eternal. Because he's God. He's been way before me. I'm not talking about just natural descent. I'm talking, I'm announcing to you, Messiah is eternal. He's before me. He's before Abraham. He's before Genesis 1-1. He keeps on. He said, I baptize you with water in verse 31 so that Christ might be recognized. I'm going to baptize the Christ but because I, I want you to recognize this is God's Messiah. John, the gospel of John doesn't even record that God spoke out of the heavens and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. But John is telling us this John the baptizer, this cousin of Jesus, recognized who he was. Watch, he says in 32 through 34, I did behold the Spirit descending on him like a dove. I saw it. Now watch this. He keeps on. In in verse 40, he uh, is telling people about Christ. And then one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, 
Simon Peter's brother. And so he becomes convinced. And here, here comes Andrew saying, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought Peter to Jesus. And as soon as Jesus sees Simon, he said, you know what? It's time I rename you. Think of this. Meet a guy for the first time. Hey, I don't like your name. We'll read it. You're Cephas. <laughs> the Andrew Club. What I'm asking you to do this week Is there any Andrews in this place that would go tell their relative, I've met the Messiah? I've met Christ. Or is he the best kept secret you've got in your life? I don't want anyone on the job to know I know him. I don't want my kids to know. No, 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 no. God, give us some Andrews that could go and tell Peter, our brother, say, come and see who I found. But they'll reject me. That's all right. That's in God's hands. It's in our hands to tell them who we found. Now, witness in this book is key. Because Christ is in the court of human opinion. And the court he came to, I must say, found him guilty. He is a child of immorality. He is a demon-possessed man for some of the many things accused him of. This is not the king of the Jews. This is not God. There was only a few that accepted the witness. He's still in court. He's still on trial. In the book, about eight witnesses, this term is used over and over. Look at John 5. Would you turn there? John 5 just to see how witness is so important in this book. Look at verse 30. John 5, 30. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not deemed true. Isn't that interesting? If I alone say who I am, it's not valid. See, thinking of, once again, Deuteronomy 17, 19, I'm in court. I'm on trial. But watch what he says. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony or the witness that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And he does, he names seven great works he does in the Gospel of John. But John ends the book by saying, we don't have enough paper or ink to record every great thing he ever did. But we know he raised dead men. We know that he raised Lazarus. We know he made a blind man see. We know he turned water to wine. We know that a man by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years a cripple was healed in a moment. We know a woman by a well was changed. We know a religious ruler named Nicodemus was born again. We know what he did. The works that I do, try walking on water. 
Try speaking to wind and wave. Try being transfigured on a mountain and ascend in the air and the globe being so great that two Old Testament prophets show up, Moses and Elijah. Face to shine like the sun. Oh, no. He did a lot of works that only God could do. He could cast out demons that none of the exorcers could do. He was God. The very works spoke and witnessed about him. And the Father, verse 37, who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you've never heard, his form you've never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures, because you think in them you have eternal life. Watch. It is they that bear witness about me. John witnessed that I'm the Son of God. God the Father witnesses that I am the Son of God. My works say I do the works of God and I'm of God. The Scriptures say I'm of God. And then he goes to John 15 and 16. I will send the Holy Spirit in the world. And guess what he will do? He will bear witness that I am the Son of God and that I sent the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The sure mark, the sure mark, the Spirit is controlling your life is we're seeing Jesus as the main subject of your mouth. You're not talking about how much power you've got, how many gifts you've got, how many demons you cast out. You'll get down to this. How dear has the Spirit made Jesus to you? I just went on a little hymn search recently. My dad, when we got in the car, he would always sing a a chorus that went, Jesus, Jesus, dearer than all to me. Jesus, Jesus, thine only thine I'll be. Wheresoever thou leadest, I'll follow. Wherever the path may lead, till at last thy face in glory, thy face in glory, I'll see. Now, every time, now, I'm growing up on Little Willie John and rock and roll when he's doing this, because he owns the pickup. And he controls the boy. He, it wasn't, the, the kids didn't control the radio, my dad. Dad controlled everything. I went up the search. That song, you know why you haven't heard it? It was written in 1914. But when I see it, I'm in a 56 blue Ford pickup. And every time we got in it, he started, Jesus. And he could sing all three stanzas. Got three stanzas. I was the lost sheep. I just gave it last week to all my brothers and my sisters. This was a song we grew up. Jeez, isn't that simple? It didn't even have a tempo. I want to know if it's got Jesus. Do you know any Jesus songs? No one ever loved me like Jesus. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. 
As we conclude our time together today, we would invite you to contact us if you have questions, comments about the broadcast. Maybe you have a question about your own walk and relationship with the Lord or a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch with us today. Now, we have a couple of ways to do so. The easiest might be simply visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org. You can drop us an email. We have other means of contact that you'll find there at truthfortodayradio.org. We also have a lot of resource materials available for your growth and relationship with Christ. Our design and desire is to see that you grow in Christ, grow according to his knowledge and grace. Any way we can help, well, that's why we're here. By the way, we do have a couple of events on the calendar that we'd love for you to be a part of. First and foremost, our Christmas celebration. That is the 24th, just one service Sunday morning at 10 a.m., and then our candlelight service at 7 p.m. And then for New Year's Eve, we have a single worship service at 10 a.m., and then a concert and New Year's Eve party at 8 p.m. And again, it's all here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Information can be had by calling or stopping by our website for more information. So stop by truthfortodayradio.org or simply give us a call, 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. Please bear in mind as you contact us that this is a listener-supported ministry. As you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. Prayerfully consider how you might get involved in the ministry of Truth For Today, won't you? 855-833-9864 or write to us. Our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And that website, once again, truthfortodayradio.org. It is a pleasure spending time with you in God's Word. We trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.